Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay. We're going to be in Matthew, the first chapter. If you want to go there, we're going to be there mostly this morning. We may have a couple other verses straggled around through there, but basically that's where we're going to be in the first chapter. <clears throat> now, it is Christmas, the season, so I figured I might as well talk about Christmas this morning. Get, prepare our hearts for Christmas, because once a year, it seems like we, we don't ever think about Christ's birth, and, except Christmas time, and I don't know why that is, because it's something we should celebrate year-round. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Where we're people worrying about gifts, what are they going to give somebody this year? What are they going to give grandma? What are they going to give grandpa? What are they going to give whoever it is? Well, God didn't have that problem. He had a gift for all of us. And it wasn't just a gift that's just for this time of year. His gift is the gift that keeps on giving forever. Throughout now, throughout eternity, he gives to us. No matter what gifts you give for Christmas this year, in the year from now, you might not even have that gift. If it's closed, you might have outgrown it. Because of the holidays, it doesn't fit no more. <laughs> if, it's something, if it's a toy for kids, it may be broke by this time next year. So the gifts are great, and they're wonderful to open those gifts, but it, they don't last. But God's gift, God's perfect gift, is not only good this time of year, it's good every day of the year. And every day of the year, we as Christians get to enjoy that gift. And I'm thankful for that, that gift. It's always under my tree, and the tree is in my heart. <laughs> And the gift of salvation is the gift that God has given to us. But see, the gift doesn't make any difference unless we unwrap the gift. We have to unwrap the gift. It doesn't matter what the gift is. You can sit there and have 100 presents under your tree, and they're totally useless. Yeah, they look nice. Oh, it makes the Christmas look a lot nicer. You come in, and you see a Christmas tree with presents under. There's just something about presents under the tree that makes the tree look better. But those presents aren't no good until you, somebody opens them. Well, that's what God's gift is. He's got a gift for us, and it's up to us to open it. And it's not wrapped in pretty present paper. It's not wrapped up like we want to make, make our gifts nice looking to give to people. When your kids, if your kids were little, it was kind of interesting. You buy your kids all these toys and wrap it up, and man, I'll tell you, they rip off the paper and play in the box. They don't care about what's in it. <laughs> but we as Christians need to care about the gift that God has given us, and we want to uh, draw him into our Christmas time. We want to be able to utilize the gift that God has given to each one of us. And I want to talk about Christmas, and, and one of the thing, first things that happen, people, they dread the holidays. They dread Christmas because they, think, oh, all they, they don't think about the giving. They don't think about all those kind of things. All they think about and they focus on is, well, what am I going to get such and such? And we've been doing that with Randy's dad. We don't know what to get him. You know, there's certain people that's so hard to buy for, isn't it? Man, I'll tell you, we, we work all year trying to find something to buy him because he has everything, you know, what can you buy him? So it's kind of hard. So when we think about Christmas, that's what we think about. We think about all the negative things involved in Christmas. Oh, we got to do shopping. We got to decorate the house. We got to put up a tree. We got to do all this baking and stuff. And I don't have to worry about that baking stuff because, you know, why bake when you can buy, buy you know, that's my, that's my thing. So, but I love baked goods, <laughs> but just don't come out of my kitchen. <laughs> but anyway, we get so stressed out about those kind of things. So, so Christmas is so hard on some of us because all we're thinking about is all the negatives about Christmas. And that isn't the way it should be. It isn't God's will for us to be stressed out during the holidays. And I want to talk about how can we be not stressed out? How do we survive the holidays? Well, first of all, we've got to get our focus right up, don't we? We have to be focused on the right things. 
If all you're focused on is the things that the world is focused on, it's going to be a stressful time. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, what are we going to do? We, have, we should go to my mom's house for Christmas, but then we've got to go to my husband's folks for Christmas. Oh, let's see, whose turn is it this year? And you banner back and forth. Where are you going to go for the holidays? And sometimes it's so stressful, we just forget the holidays and we hate them. Well, we shouldn't be like that. But how do we not be like that? How do we just quit and just be able to enjoy the holiday season? It's up to us. There's things that we can do to be able to enjoy the holidays. But let's look at these verses this morning. It's uh, the first chapter starting in Matthew 1, starting in verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the, the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until the son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Now, <clears throat> we may think that our Christmas is going to be all messed up and we worry about all the stressful things about Christmas. But I'm kidding you, the first Christmas, you, they had a stressful Christmas. Here they are. Here we have Mary and Joseph. They're sitting there so excited. Joseph went and made all the arrangements to be able to get Mary, to be able to be his wife, and he was excited about that, and he was doing these kind of things to be able to prepare for that. And all of a sudden, something happened. Stress came right into his plans, and his plans were interrupted. They were definitely interrupted. That would really interrupt your plans, wouldn't it? <laughs> And the first thing we need to remember at this time of year to alleviate the stress is that our plans are going to be interrupted. I don't care how good our plans are, things are going to happen. They may mess them up. And if we know that going in, it's going to be easier to deal with the interruptions when they come. If we expect we make these plans and we can do all that we want to do and line them all up, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. But hey, and then something happens. If you're going to go somewhere for dinner, or you're going to home for the holidays and your car breaks down and you can't get the parts for the car till three days, for three days. What are you going to do? That would interrupt your plans. But we need to realize, as Christians and non-Christians alike, that during the holidays we can make as many plans as we want, but we need to understand and leave it to open the fact that they may be interrupted. No matter what our plans may be, they may going to be interrupted. If they got interrupted, Mary and Joseph's plans, hey... He may interrupt ours because that was one of the greatest events that you could have back then was being married. <clears throat> now, Matthew 1.8, it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to, to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, wow, now this was kind of a thing, you know. They're sitting there planning the marriage, and now the, the Jewish marriage ceremony different, was different than ours. You got engaged... And in that culture, when you got engaged, it was just as if you were married. The only difference was you didn't live together and you didn't have a sexual relationship with each other. You lived in separate homes, waiting 
for the marriage ceremony to take place. But you were treated legally, you were married. And if you wanted to break off the engagement, you had to get a divorce. That's how strict, you know, those laws were. And the, they, you couldn't, the marriage ceremony could not take place until the husband had prepared the house for them, a home for them. He couldn't just go, all right, here we are, let's go, I want to get engaged, let's get married next week. That wasn't what it was like. If you wanted to take a bride as a man, you had to have a house prepared for her. You had to have a home for them prepared. You had a place to be able to take her. Now, how, how much would that change our society if that was the way it was today? Nowadays, they say, I'm going to get married. Well, where are you going to live? Well, I'm going to live with mom and dad. Oh, that works out good until we can save up enough money for a house. Well, that didn't work in that culture. You had to have the home prepared for your wife. And you just didn't go out and throw up a tent <clears throat> say, okay, there it is. Let's go. Come on. Man, I want my wife. Come on. Didn't work like that. The, hu the father has be the, had to be the one that gave the permission to say, okay. He'd say, Dad, come and see this house I prepared. And so the father would come and look, and if it was done, they'd say, okay, son, go get your bride. Does that sound like something that we might have be looking forward to as the bride of Christ? Jesus said, I'll go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I'll come again and take you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Well, that's just right out of the Jewish wedding ceremony that they had. They couldn't just get married. At that time, they had to go, the groom had to go prepare a home. And then the father told them when it was done. See, that's why Jesus said, no man knows the day of an hour, only the Father in heaven. Because only the Father can decide when it's ready for the bride. And so when the Father said, hey, son, it's ready, go get your bride. Hey, man, that's when they went out there, and man, they probably ran down there to get that bride. And then they would have the ceremony. So that you never know, like nowadays, we plan our wedding so to the detail that, oh, this is when we're going to get married, and this is next time, and this is when the reception is going to take place. Back then, you didn't know. The engagement could last a year. If you're a slow builder or if you've got a lot of things going on in your life, that ceremony may be a year later before you get married. Nowadays, hey, we're going to get married next month. I got engaged today, get married next week. Or people just skip that step and run to Vegas and get married. That didn't happen back then. doesn't work like that because the father wanted to make sure that the son could take care of his family. And we need that today, don't we? We get a lot of people that get married and they can't take care of their family. They got, and so it puts so much stress on the newlyweds that no wonder the marriages don't last. They don't have anything. They, all they do is just have a stressful situation going in. So anyway, this is what the situation that was then. So here's Joseph. He's working on his house, excited about the day that he gets to bring Mary home. Wow, that's exciting. Now you remember, guys, <clears throat> what it was like when you fell in love with your wives? You remember how your heart just pitter-pattered in your chest and you were so excited about it and you could hardly wait for that wedding day to come well that's kind of what joseph was doing he was working as fast as he could and trying to get everything prepared and then we have mary on the other side that was prepared planning the wedding because oh man those weddings back then they lasted a week they didn't last no just one night you have a two-hour reception uh-uh they lasted a week does that sound like the marriage supper of the land to you a week <laughs> there's so much correlation if you study the, the the weddings back then so here they are mary's planning a wedding joseph's preparing the home and all of a sudden god interrupts the plans and i'll tell you to get pregnant back then i'll tell you that was a stigma like you would not believe nowadays it's no big deal people live together they get pregnant and sometimes they don't get married for three or four years and sometimes they don't get married at all wouldn't happen back then. 
You get married, you get pregnant during this period of time when you're engaged, woo, that's bad news. And actually, technically, Joseph loved Mary. Now, he could have had her stoned. He could have, had, he could have embarrassed her. He could have disgraced her. He could have done so many things in this situation because, hey, man, here she is all of a sudden. And I don't think Joseph knew that she was pregnant until she was six months pregnant because remember afterwards the angel appeared to Mary and she went to visit Elizabeth who was pregnant and she went there and six months later she came back. So at six months pregnant, here you go one way and you come back and you're out to here. I mean, there's something you can hide. <laughs> kind of hard to hide a six-month pregnancy. <laughs> so, and that was a terrible embarrassment. Here she is, she's gone six months, so they know that it couldn't have been Joseph's. Obviously, right? Gone six months and she comes back, hey, wow, what's going on here? And so jo Joseph, because he loved her, he wanted to divorce her quietly and not embarrass her and definitely not kill her because he loved her. And that's what he was going to do until God intervened. <clears throat> now, see, Joseph, inter God interrupted their plans. And that's the same way if God's going to interrupt their plans, God may interrupt ours. No matter how many kind of plans we have, God may interrupt them. And we have to be prepared for those interruptions. James 4, uh, verses 13 and 15 says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why do you not even know that will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. See, we are so oriented toward our own plans and our own goals that we have our whole lines locked out. You know, years ago, we had these day planners. That was the thing. Of course, now we have the iPods and we have all these handheld computers that kind of do the same thing. But we have our li lives made out, or planned out. You've got a work day, you've got every hour. If you ever had one of those day planners, you know every single hour had something you could write in there. So we wanted to plan out our whole lives. We want to plan everything. But God says, hey, wait a minute, back up. Don't make your plans without considering me in them. When you consider God in them, then it's easier to make plans, and then you have give God, the, uh, allow him the opportunity to be able to interrupt your plans, because God's going to change your plans. The more we want to plan and focus our own lives out, the more God wants to stick his little fingers in there and say, hey, wait a minute here. If it's my will, you'll make these plans. And God wants to make us evident that it's, uh, if God wills, we'll all do this such and such. And I'm trying to train myself to do this, to be able to, when you make plans, that if it's God's will, we'll do this, if God wills. And we need to involve God in our plans. If we don't, we're just asking for trouble. And then when our plans are interrupted, then it causes stress on us. When things don't work out right, man, I'll tell you, there's a tendency to be angry and upset. I know Friday, we went to the doctors up to Cedar City. Now, I called two months ago because I wanted to get, a, get an appointment. It was early in the morning because he's always behind. So if your appointment's at, it'll, at noon or 10 o'clock, I mean at 10 o'clock, you're going to be there till 4 o'clock in the afternoon because he gets so far behind. So I'll get there early in the morning and get there. So I, man, I said, I want that appointment in Cedar. Now this doctor comes out of Vegas. And he comes once a month. He comes up to Cedar City. So I, naturally, I'd rather see him in Cedar than I would Vegas, of course, you know, because it's closer. So we get up and we go to Vegas and, and we get there and he isn't there. He doesn't come to Cedar this day. And I'm going, really? Because I called two months ago and they gave me the appointment for Cedar to here. Well, what can I do? See, my plans got interrupted really fast. I'll tell you, I wasn't a happy camper. We had to get up 5.30 in the morning to be there on time. It's not fun getting up that early in the morning. 
to be able to go to a doctor when the doctor isn't even there. And it was all I could do. You know, you sit there and think about it and think, man, you know, this is really irritating to me. You know, you get up, you drive 90 miles. It's 180 miles round trip to go to the doctor when the doctor isn't even there. And, of course, to call the doctor's office and my appointment's in Vegas, and I said, well, obviously, I'm 200 miles away. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> so I had to reschedule it. But I thought, man, no matter what our plans are, we have to be able to allow the opportunity for something that's going to mess it up. And those are good tests for us. You can test your Christianity real fast when your plans get messed up, can't you? Now, you can stomp and you can gripe and you can yell at the receptionist. You can do all kinds of things. Is it going to change anything? No. Doctor's still in Vegas. <laughs> he can't hear me, of course. I don't know if I yelled loud enough. He might be able to. <laughs> but every day we have an opportunity to be able to be angry with the situations in life, or we can let it flow and say, you know, I don't understand why God wanted me up at 5.30 in the morning to come to Cedar. I have no idea. I didn't accomplish anything in Cedar City at all, except 90 miles out of my way. <laughs> But anyway, we've got to allow the opportunity when we make our plans that something's going to happen to mess them up. So what can we do when our plans are interrupted? The first thing we can do is pray. Of course, that's always the last thing that we do. When something happens, prayer is the last thing we can do. Isn't that true? The most obvious thing that we could do is what we don't do. And so the first thing, every time you have an interruption in your life, pray. And say, God, what's going on here? Why did, you, why did you allow this to happen? I mean, what's going on? Help me to be able to learn whatever I need to learn. Maybe God just needs to test our patience with something. We can talk all we want about how we're serving God and how we've dedicated our life to him. And he can do anything he wants, and he can change our plans anytime he wants. Well, when it happens, that's when the metal hits the road or the tire hits the road or rubber hits the road, whatever the, whatever the saying is, because that's when we can actually show that, hey, yeah, I'm backing it up with my life. And so we're going to have those interruptions so God can show us or give us the opportunity to grow. And interruptions give it an opportunity for Christian growth. We can either get upset and throw a fit and it isn't going to change anything. Won't change a thing. It's still... Still, the doctor was still in Vegas, so it didn't matter what I did. I could either say, well, praise the Lord, okay, I don't know what's going on here. I just wasted 180 miles for nothing, but oh well, could have been worse. Could have went to Vegas and he could have been a cedar. <laughs> that would have been worse. So anyway, that's the first thing that we do. And we need to pray for guidance and direction and wisdom to know what, what to do in those situations. Because sometimes we make our plan, and we, maybe we don't intend to, but sometimes we make it when we exclude God. And when we exclude God in our plans, then that's a perfect opportunity for God to say, okay, I'm going to show you. You don't want to include me? I'm going to show you how good your plans are. <clears throat> so James 5.13 says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. You're suffering a hardship, and if your plans are changed, sometimes that's a hardship. You can't all of a sudden, you plan to go to Grandma's house and something happened that you can't go. It's a very disappointing thing for your kids and for them and all kinds of things. And you can be really hurt during those periods of time, especially during the holidays. When you want to be together as family, those things can happen. But if you want to suffer from a hardship or something that's going on in your life that you're not happy with, pray. That's what God says, pray. Because if we pray and we give it to God, then God can change that attitude in our heart to something that's pleasing to him. And then God can use it for our growth. In verse, uh, in, in verse 16, it says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful assault. 
wonderful results. Hey, when we pray, our prayers influence God. And you don't think God influences prayer, our prayers don't influence you, just look back at the life of Hezekiah. He was going to die. God told him that he was going to die. And, God, and Hezekiah says, God, I don't want to die. I've got so many things I want to do. Can't you, can't you just change your plan a little bit and help me out here? And he changed God's mind. And all of a sudden, God says, okay, I'm giving you 15 years. So we can influence God with our prayer. So prayer is a powerful thing that we can utilize. But we have to make sure that we want God's will in that situation because Hezekiah would have been better off. Not Hezekiah. Yeah, it was Hezekiah. He would have been better off dying without the 15 years because that 15 years wasn't the best situation for his life during that period of time. So anyway, you've got to remember that too. <laughs> Sometimes you get what you want and you find out that isn't what you want. Sometimes God gives us exactly what we want and we're finding out, we find out that wanting is a lot better than having. Oh, you work so hard for this thing and you get it and you thought, man, why? Why did I do that? Why in the world did I do that? So sometimes getting our own way or praying for things isn't the best thing. The second thing we can do when we get interruptions is look at it from God's point of view. In verse 19 of Matthew 1, it said, Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph was looking within his heart for a way to be able to divorce Mary quietly. He was trying to find a, a solution to the problem without hurting Mary, because he loved Mary, and he didn't want to hurt her, regardless of the situation that, that it could have been. And so he was struggling with this within his heart. And because he was struggling within his heart, God went out of his way to help him understand what was going on. Now, if you look at this from a, a regular point of view, if, if a, the girl comes to the man and says, hey, I'm pregnant, and the man knows it isn't his, <laughs> the tendency isn't going to be, okay, I'm going to marry you. <laughs> that isn't what, but with Joseph, he wanted to be able to, to help Mary out. He didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to think because he loved her. And because of that, God answered, worked in his heart and, be able, and showed him that, hey, don't be afraid of it because he hasn't known a man. This is from me. I've done it to her. She may have got pregnant because of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that only in, in this period of time as a young man, he knew Isaiah's prophecy. And he knew that he said a virgin would conceive and bear a son. So he knew that it was possible. If you believe God, there's no such thing as impossible. But he'd been taught from a young boy that a Messiah would be coming and would be born, and he'd be born of a virgin woman. So he knew that, hey, well, maybe this could be true. And then when he had that vision by God, that God spoke to him, he says, you know, it is true. So now I don't have to worry about it. And because he let God intervene and got to see it from God's viewpoint, it changed his whole attitude. All of a sudden, it went from an embarrassment to him, an embarrassment to Mary, to all of a sudden such a privilege to be able to raise the only son of God. How? Wow, wasn't that an honor? Wow, what an honor that would be. Some of these pa parents that raise kids up and they grow up to be president of the United States or they get to be a Michael Jordan and wow, man, how, how proud are you of that? Well, hey, man, Joseph had us all beat. He got to raise God's son. <laughs> Hallelujah, that's exciting, isn't it? So God not only intervened in the situation, he gave him a vision of what he wanted to do and let him know that it was God's will. Now, God can do the same thing for us. 
If we're struggling with a situation when he's interrupted our plans and we don't understand what's going on, as long as we want to see it from God's viewpoint, he'll give us his viewpoint. Maybe we won't see it right away, but maybe somewhere down the line. Because sometimes we don't know what we want. And sometimes the plans that we've made are not God's plans. And we want to be able as Christians to let our life line up with what God's plan is for our life. And we can't be so much locked into that. And who got to name Jesus? Joseph did. But he didn't name him Joseph. (laughs) He named him Jesus, just what God had told him to name him. See, so he not only seen it from God's viewpoint, he believed what God said, and he followed through with what God told him. Sometimes, even though we get God's viewpoint and he gives us an option of something to do, we don't do it. We still try to get our own plan in there and try to work it out. If it had been us, we would have named him after us. I meant, how about that, you know? God's son, Joseph. (gasps) Oh, wow. My son, Val. God's son, Val. God's son, Randy. Oh, how exciting that would be. But he didn't. Even though it was a tradition to name your, your son after you. That was the tradition. And it was an honor to be the firstborn because you usually got the dad's name in some way or form. So anyway, it was kind of privileged for, for Joseph to do that. And he, by naming him Jesus, which was Emmanuel, which was God with us, hey, I'm naming him God with us. So every time you call him, call Jesus, hey, God with us, come here. <laughs> It'd be an exciting time for Joseph. So God turned it around and he allowed God allowed, or he was allowed to see it from God's perspective. And it changes the whole thing. When we see things through God's eyes, it changes, the, changes how we feel about a situation. And the next thing we need to do is remember, put interruptions in a proper perspective. We, we spend $100 worth of worry on $5 problem. And especially during the holiday season, all the problems or plans and everything when they're interrupted, they're amplified twice as severe as it is. We need to look at, is it really a big thing? How, how bad is it, really? So you have a flat tire on your way to Grandma's and you miss Christmas dinner. They might have leftovers. Grandma always has leftovers, you know. But we waste so much time worrying about it. We get so angry about things. So we get that flat tire, and, man, we get out and change, try to change the tire, and we're so mad, and we're throwing things around because you hate to be late, and you don't like all these things going on. Well, hey, you don't know it. But if you've seen that from God's perspective, maybe... There's an accident up on the road that you would have got involved in or something that could have happened to you if you'd have been in a certain place at a certain time. And the only way God could keep you from being there is give you a flat tire. You don't know that. So everything that interrupts our plan, we've got to realize that maybe God has another plan. And God's plan is better than your plan anyway. We went, we went, when we went to uh, Cedar, we went down, down to St. George because we were so close, and we were in the store getting some stuff Kmart, Walmart, somewhere, I don't remember where we was at. And you know, I, it doesn't matter. I go through a line, and it looks like the shortest line, and it's always the longest line, isn't it? Man, I sit there, oh, we'll go through here, you know, they only got three items in their cart. Oh, wow, this is going to be great. But that's when the, when the register breaks down or something, you know, something always happens, and you sit there, and, and you're testing your patient, and now all of a sudden, we sat yesterday in the line for five minutes, and then the lady looked up and says, oh, I'm closed. Okay, so now i got to get another line. I could have been out of the store if I'd have got in the right line. Oh, here's an opportunity to to help my patients. (laughs) So I get in the other line. And then we finally get up to the check stand, and the lady, you know, finally get up there, and the lady gets uh, whatever she wants, and she gets some change. Well, of course the checker doesn't have any change. 
So now, hey, change on, checks down four, please. So we sit there for five minutes waiting for somebody to come and give her some change so she can get through her thing. And the lady, she's sitting there, she's so embarrassed because, you know, it's Christmas time, the stores are packed and that kind of thing. And she says, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I, I, I didn't know this was going to happen or I'd have done it. You know, I wouldn't have got any money back. I says, oh, don't worry about it. I says, for all I know, you spared me from an accident. I says, God might have used you to spare me from an accident. So because you're delaying me in this line, hey, you never know. And it changes your attitude about those interruptions if you look at them from a different perspective. It's all in perspective. We can either get a stinking attitude about it. I could have stood in that line and got angry and mad and upset, and you know. But what good it would have done? What would it have accomplished? Would it have made the line go faster? No. Would it have made that Henri checker that was there who had the frown on her face let me go through the line? Evidently not. <laughs> she needed to get, bit, get bit by the Christmas spirit bug. <laughs> but anyway... We need to put them in proper perspective. And we got a perspective. And we need to remember that God is ultimately in control. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Nothing can happen to you or to me unless God approves it. So whatever you're going through, we have to step back and say, Hey, you know, God knew this was going to happen, and he put me here for this. So let me learn what I'm going to learn during this situation and get on with it. I'm reminded of the story of the lady that had nine kids. Now, to me, she has my sympathy already. I had four, four teenagers at the same time, and that was hard enough for me to deal with. And they were little or younger, and they were hard to deal with. I can't even imagine nine. <laughs> but anyway, she comes home from the store, and the, kid, the house was a little quieter than normal. I guess if you had nine kids, it would be a very obvious thing. So she goes into the living room, and here's all her kids sitting there on the floor, all together, you know, five of her youngest kids sitting on the floor, whatever. So she kind of looks, and then she went and puts the groceries down, and then she comes in, and as she gets into the living room, she sees what the kids are so attracted to. All the kids are sitting there in the middle of them, and everyone had a, had a baby skunk, the cutest little skunk you've ever seen. And they had brought it in the living room, and here they were. Well, naturally, the lady, she panicked, and she screamed, Run, children, run! <laughs> and so all the kids, they didn't know what to do, so each one of them grabbed a skunk and ran. <laughs> well, the, scary, the mother scared the kids so bad that they not only ran when they grabbed the skunk, but they squeezed the skunk. <laughs> and, we all, and we know now that skunks don't like to be squeezed. <laughs> So sometimes when we react to a situation, you know, we let our emotions get the best of us. And when we let our emotions get away, away with us, we squeeze the skunk. <laughs> and it isn't pleasant from then on. So we got to be open to the fact that, hey, we got to let the interruptions happen. We got to let things happen in our life and not squeeze the skunk. Don't let our emotions influence the situation. Because I'm not kidding you. If you let the emotions influence the situation, you're going to end up just like those kids did. Not smelling very good for a long, long time. <laughs> and your life will really be complicated. So we've got to look at these uh, interruptions as far as maybe God has a different plan in mind. And if it's your plan or God's plan, guess which one's going to come out on top? It isn't going to be ours. <laughs> the best laid plans of mice and men... Doesn't matter when God sticks his finger in there, but we've got to allow God, when we come to God and say, here's my life, Lord. I want to plan this, Lord, if it's your will, this is what I want to do during the holidays. This is what I want for my family. But Lord, if you have another thing in mind, if you have something else, 
and you want to change my plans, hey, I'm open to it. And if it happens, don't get mad and upset. Just flow with it because you're not going to change the situation. <clears throat> and we have two choices when our plans are interrupted. We can get mad. We can get upset. Let it destroy the holidays because that's what a lot of people do. They, all the interruptions of holidays, say, oh, I hate Christmas. All the commercialism, all the stuff going on. And so what happens is when you let that influence your life, you lose out on the best part of the year because this is the best part of the year. People actually turn into human beings during Christmas. A lot of them do, don't they? They turn into human beings, and I want to be out there with the human beings because the only time some people are nice, and I want to be there. So we can either get angry and get mad at everybody and hate it and lock ourselves in the house, say, I'm not enjoying Christmas. I ain't coming out till New Year's, after New Year's. Or we can sit back and we can enjoy the holidays. It's our choice. We have that choice. We can allow the interruptions to destroy our Christmas or we can allow it to roll with it and work out whatever we need to work out. Don't waste all our worry on something we can't change. We need to know, like I said, you change the things you can change and you need the wisdom to know what things you can change and what you can't change. If you can change it, change it. If you can't, just roll with it and ask God to help you. <clears throat> now our life, you know, we think we got rough as, as people. But I don't know whether you know about how baby giraffes are born. When the mother gives birth to a baby, baby giraffe, the hoofs and the head come out first. And then the baby giraffe drops 10 feet on the ground on its back. And as soon as it hits the ground, then it rolls over immediately and with its legs tucked underneath it, and it kind of shakes itself and kind of looks around at the world to see what's going on. Now, first of all, 10-foot drop, pretty good drop on your back. <laughs> I don't think I'd like to be born like that. I like in a nice, soft doctor's hands, <laughs> you know. But anyway, and it's there and it shakes its head over and the mother looks down at the baby giraffe after it's born and just sticks his long neck down, gives it a look. The next thing she does is she goes and she climbs over the, over the giraffe. So the, the giraffe is right in the middle of her, of her forelegs, right underneath the giraffe. And all of a sudden, the mother does something that we would never do as mothers. And it picks up its leg and it goes like this and it just booms and kicks that baby giraffe and it falls head over heels, head over heels and whatever, until it finally sits, you know, up again, and, the, you know, the mother looks at it again. Then it goes over it again, kicks it again, head over heels, just keeps kicking that baby giraffe because she wants the baby giraffe to get up. And that baby giraffe, of course, it doesn't want to kick anymore, get kicked anymore, so it keeps struggling to get up. And pretty soon the baby giraffe, it struggles, and it gets up on his wobbly little legs, and he's sitting there like that, and the mother goes over there, and it kicks it off its feet again. Now we think, wow, what kind of a mother is this? They aren't getting the Mother's Day award. I ain't sending you no card on Mother's Day. I don't like that at all. But see, the mother knows that that baby giraffe needs to be able to remember how it got up. See, it kicks it down, knocks it off its feet after it got up the first time, finally succeeded, so it wouldn't forget how to get up. Because getting up as a baby giraffe is very important. Because giraffes, you know how tall they are. And if the baby giraffe can't get up and run into the, into the herd, then it's going to get eaten by a lion or a hyena or something because they attack those things that can't get up. So if that baby giraffe can't get up fast and get it within the safety of the herd, it's going to die. It's going to be lion doo-doo. That's the reality of it. See, so the mother knows this instinctively because it has to be able to get up. And so it keeps kicking it and it keeps knocking it down until it learns how to get up and get up quickly. I don't recommend that for your kids. Don't recommend it. 
course, sometimes um, some of the kids, they need a little good swift kick when they get a little older. We need to do that when they get a little older. Kick, kick some sense into them. But see, we weren't raised like that. We don't understand that. We go, oh, Lord, have mercy, you know, because we don't understand that. But when you look at the reason, you look at it from God's perspective on why he made, gave the mother the instincts, instincts to kick the baby to make it get up. Sometimes we need somebody to kick us, make us get up. Because during this time of year, we get so depressed and over the holidays and things that we're just, we're just down. We need somebody to come in and kick us and get us up. So, hey, look around. You need to enjoy this time of year. We need to enjoy this Christmas season. We need to not allow it to stress us out. I don't want to be stressed out in the holiday season. I want to be able to enjoy every single moment of it, all the atmosphere and all the magic in the air. I want to do that. And those are the only ways that we can do it. Pray when we get in situations that our plans get interrupted. Expect the interruptions. And let, allow God to be able to do what he wants in our life and see things from God's perspective. Some things we aren't going to be able to know until we get to heaven. But at least we have enough faith in him to know it's going to work out. Romans 8, 28, we know the scripture by heart. and It says, we know that all things God works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The things in our life will not work out. God works things out in our lives. God is the key there. Now, we can either go through this holiday season and enjoy it or let it stress us out. The choice is ours. I want to enjoy Christmas. I want to be able to enjoy the magic of Christmas, and I want to be able to enjoy and remember that Christ was born this day and not let all the commercialism and not let all the other things going on in the holidays ruin it for me. And if you're around a bah humbug, hey, say Merry Christmas. Keep saying Merry Christmas until they get tired of hearing it. Maybe they'll smile, maybe they're not. If not, who cares? They're not going to let nobody ruin my Christmas. I want to have a Christmas that's pleasing to God. I want to let God interrupt my Christmas plan. I want him to do everything he needs to do this year so that I can get everything I can get out of the Christmas season this year. Let's pray. Our President, Father, Lord, I thank you for this day, Lord, and I'm thankful, thankful, Lord, for your gift of salvation, Lord, that you've given to us, Lord. And I'm so thankful that Jesus came to be born in a manger, Lord, but not only be born, Lord, but also to die on a cross. But we celebrate the birth, the gift, the great gift, Lord, that you gave to mankind. And I just pray, Lord, that during this Christmas season, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, to be able to see the real reason of Christmas and not allow the world, Lord, to stress us out and help us to be focused on, on your word, Lord, and the reason we have Christmas because you are the reason for the season. And let us not ever forget that. And we'll thank you for it. If you're here this morning, it may so really when I'm looking at Christmas, I'm not seeing Christ. All I'm seeing is buying the gifts and those kind of things. And I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. I want to accept that Christmas gift this morning. I want to unwrap it in my heart. If that's you this morning, let me 